Welcome to JFK and the Enduring Secret. I'm your host, Jeff Crudell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is episode 75. I know, I know. Episodes 72, 73, and 74 were all detail wanders into the Gerald Custer testimony. I broke my promise to you. I said that I was going to edit down this three-and-a-half-hour testimony into something more manageable. Well, I started to do that in episode 72, and I took out an opening discussion on documents, documents that Custer brought with him to the deposition. Then I stopped, and then I just decided that you needed to listen to it all. I should have said something right then and there, but I let it go. My good friend Chris Schott, who listens to the podcast, texted me the other day and asked, rather succinctly as he always does, what am I listening for in this deposition? I suspect that a number of you are saying the same thing. So let me provide some quick direction as to where we are going in order to finish this wander. We have two more full-length episodes where we provide the remainder of Custer's testimony. That includes this episode 75 and then episode 76. I know we're getting into the holiday season and it might be difficult for everybody to invest the additional time in listening to this fascinating detail. So I want to give you an option. If you feel like you want to speed up the process and get to the point of it all, you can just skip to episode 77, where I summarize in detail all the more relevant points that are contained in the three and a half hours of Custer's testimony. I consider this audio interview to be one of the most critical interviews to listen to that is available. In order to prepare for episode 77, I listened to all three and a half hours of this tape all the way through, four times. And then I listened again to other sections of it in detail on other occasions. It's a goldmine of important points for all of us as jurors to listen closely to, if you have the time and you can. Well, that's why I'm the podcaster and you're the listener. So again, just to reiterate, We are going to go the distance with the rest of Custer's deposition, and the remainder of it is in this episode 75 and in the episode which follows, which is episode 76. Then, in episode 77, I summarize the whole thing for you, along with my personal observations of this testimony. You will begin to hear from Dr. John Ebersol, starting in episode 78. Ebersol was the radiologist on call the night of the autopsy. It was Custer's superior who was present that night and the next day. So, without further ado, let's listen to episode 75 of JFK, The Enduring Secret. Back on the record. Ready? Question is, uh, Mr. Custer, can you identify the film that is in front of you now as having been taken by you on the night of the autopsy of President Kennedy? 
Correct. Yes, sir, I do. And how are you able to identify that as being? My marker in the lower mandibular joint. And that, could you describe the marker to me, please? Actually, all it is is metal, piece of metal, about half a centimeter thickness, less than that, and about two inches long with numerous spots going from left to right. Is that a standard device for radiologists, or was that your own? That was my own device. So it was unique as far as you know. Correct. And this, again, the only reason why I put that on there is for my own basic identification plus to show rotation. Are you able to identify by looking at this whether we are looking at the anatomical right side of the body, whether that the right side of the body is closer to the x-ray equipment or whether the left side of the body is? I can identify it as being the right anatomical body because of the enormous defect. When you have the defect closer to the film, it's more detailed. You can see the lines as you go around a lot better. See how clear it is here? And let me inject something else. Uh, Dr. Ebersol kept going back to the quality of the film. The quality of the film did not depend upon the portable film, the portable x-rays being exposed at the time. The quality of the film depended upon the type of film speed you used. And at that time, in that year, this was the film speed that was used. And this was recognized, and people accepted it as such. When you say doctor, when you're referring to something that Dr. Ebersol said, are you referring to his testimony before the House Select Committee on Assassinations? Yes, sir, I am. Okay. Remember also, I had stated how a portion of the skull had lifted up and pushed backwards? Yes. Showing that there had to be a force impact this way and that way. Well, look, let me inject something else. From the right side, you notice, you see the fragmentation, how it starts to get larger and larger and larger. You have equal and opposite force. Everything being pushed forward, the brain is being pushed back, and it pops the skull on. So it's your opinion that the trauma to the head began at the front and moved towards the back of the head? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Okay. Is there anything else on this? x-ray film that allows you to be certain that this was taken by you on the night of the autopsy? Yes, sir. Not only the marker here, you, you know, U.S. Naval Hospital, Bethesda, Maryland, on the right side of the film, but also, remember how I had stated to you about the salaturcica? The keystone of the sphenoid bone that holds the cranial vault, look how prominent it is. And the only possible way you can see that, this is all gone. This is all defective in here on the right side. That makes that much more visible. Are you able to identify any brain shadow in this lateral x-ray? There's no brain shadow in this lateral x-ray at all. Look at the dark portion here. Dark through here. Now, there may be a minute amount, but not enough to make any 
gross difference. You don't see any markings in vascular markings. Where's your vascular markings? There is none. A normal brain has vascular markings. I'd like to show you now exhibit number 206 we identified earlier in this uh, deposition. Can you now, by looking at the original x-ray, compare that with the drawing that you made at 206? Let me know whether you would now amend the exhibit 206, or does that roughly correspond with the x-ray? Okay, I would amend this somewhat. How would I would bring this down in more into the temporal bone area. Down so you would add hash marks to the temporal right. bone area. Right. Okay. But here, you got to remember too, this is only minute fragments of tissue maybe that are in there. But that more than likely could be on the posterior portion of the skull, on the left side of the skull. Brain tissue. But you still see the defect here. And here's the, the protruding portion of the skull. And then you have an opening here also. So it's basically pretty close. That is the x-ray to your drawing. Right. It's basically pretty close, except I would bring the temporal down a little bit more. What I'm gonna when we take that x-ray off, I'm gonna ask you to, to draw onto Two hundred six to where you would think that it would be, but no, take that line. No, this would come that way. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry. If you can draw the the lines at perpendicular angles to the other, so it will be clear to the reader oh, which one lines. Yes. It will come down through here. Okay, so now the perpendicular lines are the ones that you would add after examining the original. Correct. Okay. We could look at number. Oh, we can have that back. I'm sorry, Mr. Custer. I'd like to draw your attention to what appear to be straight, very thin, straight lines that uh, come at an angle on the X-ray. And ask you if you can identify what those are. This is again on X-ray number two. Okay, no exactly. This is Eversol's little scratches. This is what he was trying to say was entry one here. I remember that now. This is where he drew. Did you see Mr. Ebersol draw those lines yourself? On the first set of films I brought back, he put them up and he had a ruler there and he was penciling it in. And this is when he got a comment. Don't do that. And this came from the gallery. So did you hear Mr. Ebersol identify the fulcrum of those lines as being the entrance wound? Yes. Did any other doctor there make any comment on what Mr. Ebersol had said or done? Mm, I can't remember, basically. I just remember what the comment was made from the gallery. 
and it shut everything down. So as far as you are aware, those lines are made with a pencil. As far as I'm aware. Can we now examine number three, which is identified as the lateral view of the skull? Okay. This is the skull that I took, that I had taken. Same marker on the left side. You're referring to the, 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 yeah, the, the date in the naval hospital. The date. Remember I had stated to you this is the way the table was against the gallery. I could only get so close. There's my marker again. You're referring to the, the metal marker. The metal apparatus by the mandibular shot. region. And I cut the bottom portion of the skull off because I couldn't get low enough. Every time I put blankets underneath the head, the head would actually get small. Because it would be crushed. Crushed. By the weight. Right. Due to the instability of the bones. Fractures in the head. Fractures in the head. But again, you see the big defects. But you don't see the sound pressure. That's good. See the fractures. Are you able to identify any metal metal fragments in the head? Hmm. You're pointing out the the black black area towards the uh, top of the skull. Here, here. It's the only way they can be, this fragment. There's no way an artifact will show up like that. Now, what is supporting those supporting those metal fragments if there's no brain in the cranium? Where are they resting? They have to be resting on the bone itself. Somewhere. That's the only thing I can possibly think of unless there's enough tissue there in that region to hold them. That's the only possible thing that I can think of. Because here you go again. There's no brain here. It wouldn't be that dark. You're referring to the dark. The dark area. On the first x-ray that we looked at, you identified the large metal fragment. Do you remember that? Semicircular? Correct. Can you identify the location of that fragment? on? Not on this one. What does that signify to you, if anything, the inability to identify the location of that metal fragment? It could be too dark. This area is just too dark. Wouldn't the metal fragment still here even be a greater contrast? No. Why is that? Because you've got to remember the central ray going through that body. It's hitting the film a lot faster. It's exposing it more. There were bone tissue on the AP projection which sort of backed off on the penetration. You have more penetration here. If you would take a photo density of this picture and a photo density of that picture, this photo density would be much better. But wouldn't a metal fragment still appear white on this? If 
it is dark enough to burn it out, it'll burn it out. That's why when you take an abdomen film and you're looking for stones, stones will be burned out, and that's bone. Let me draw your attention to what appears to be some flecks in what I would say is above the right eye socket. Mm-hmm. And going towards the back, are you able to identify whether those flecks are artifacts or metal fragments? Uh, metal fragments. Artifacts do not come in an irregular form like this. Not in that, in that traveling projection like that. It just doesn't. Not that many in that one area. You're going to have somebody just going in that one area and put artifacts all the way up and down this? just doesn't happen. You get random artifacts. They have an artifact here, artifact here, artifact here, artifact here. And here's one thing, too. If you look close, there is a faint image that could possibly be that fragment, but I can't attest to that. Okay. When you say that fragment, you're referring to the one that we noticed with clarity in the first... Correct. Absolutely. X-ray. Do you have an opinion as to whether that is the right or left lateral? That's the left lateral. And what's the basis of that opinion? What is the basis of that opinion? Because I couldn't get close enough no. to take a halfway decent film. And I knew that was the bad film with the left lateral due to my uh, recollection. So it's based upon recollection rather Correct. than observation of the x-ray? Which is fine, just to sure. know the basis of what you're saying. Right. And it's, uh, it's from recollection. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, let me uh, add one thing, too. Just noticed it. The difference in the size of the defect. With the defect on the film side, it becomes a little bit larger. This is a little bit smaller. That makes a difference. Now, one thing I'd like to ask, just to make sure that we're clear here, is that is where you are locating the largest part of the wound. And if, if one were to think that either either the occipital region towards the back or the parietal region more towards the front. As between those two, where are you identifying the larger wound? The larger wound would have to be further back. This wasn't as bad towards the temporal region. It was open. But the more you went further back, the more destruction you had. When, when you say that more destruction, is that consistent with what you were seeing with the x-ray films, where, by what I have been understanding you to say, most of the destruction is towards the front, where it's darker and where there's an absent, apparent absence of bone? No. Let me reiterate again. Most of the destruction was towards the occipital area. This area 
wasn't as bad. You still had the orbital ridge. The frontal forehead was still here. But the further back you got, the worse the destruction became. And the more gaping the hole became. And so why is it that on the x-rays, and I'm saying this from my perspective as a layman, the film is appears to be darker, more towards the front, and lighter towards the back. In other words, you're asking me, why is this lighter here? Why, why is it lighter and with the more apparent bone in the occipital region, and why is there apparently less bone in the frontal and parietal region? If you look at your diagram that you have of the occipital area, let me, get, let me get that out. You're referring to exhibit number 207? All right. Look how far the occipital region comes up. Okay, this whole area, right back through here, this is all gone. This is all gone here from... Now you're, you're pointing to the X-ray. I see what I see. What we're, we're I'm getting confused here myself now. The occipital region is all down here, where my hands are. The, the portion that's cut off, straight through here. Here, let me see that other one. Now looking at exhibit number number two hundred six. From the temporal region just behind the right orbit, you can see this defect. All right? And, and that is in temporal bone, is that Temporal right? bone. But it also comes out of the temporal bone and comes into the parietal. And you start to infringe just a little bit. The occipital region is right And you start to infringe on it right here. So this is all gone. But you're still pointing to the parietal region, parietal and temporal region. Same with the temporal stops. This is occipital back here. Same thing, occipital comes back to here. See how far up it comes? Sure. That's what I'm trying to say. You still have damage that starts to come into the occipital region. It may not go all the way down, but it's coming down into that area. Sure. My question is not whether there is damage in the occipital region, but where is the majority of the bone missing? And is the majority okay, of the, the majority of the bone is in the... Uh, it has to be the parietal. This is the parietal area right here. So you see this x-ray is showing an absence of bone in the parietal region and showing damage, but presence of bone in the occipital region. Correct. Okay. Plus you have absence of bone in this region right here. In the temporal region. Temporal region. Only a portion of the temporal region behind the right occipital or the right orbital area. Okay. We now look at... Oh, let me ask one question. Previously in the deposition, you had said that the skull x-rays were all taken in the first series. Is that correct? Correct. Right. And would it be fair to say then that the x-rays one through three 
are those that you took in the first series? Just, just Yes. Yes, for that one. Now, I can tell you that those are the only, the three that you have just looked at are the only skull x-rays present at the archives. Are you aware of any other skull x-rays? There should be at least two more. And you described those both as oblique x-rays, is that correct? Or, like you had stated, tangential. Tangential. And are you certain that you took those other two x-rays on the night? Absolutely. You're off house Okay, could we go to number four? <laughs> I know exactly what this is. This is described in the 1966 inspection as x-ray of three fragments of bone with larger fragment containing metallic fragments. Mr. Custer, have you previously seen x-ray number four? Yes, I have. When did you first see those x-rays? The next morning. I took them. And where did you take those x-rays? In the main department in a private room of the photo x-ray unit. Was it the same x-ray unit that was used to take the autopsy? Yes, sir. The same distance. And what was the purpose of taking these x-rays? I was told by Dr. Ebersol that they were to be taken to make measurements to make a bust of President Kennedy. What did you do when you took the x-rays? What were the procedures? How did you go about taking them? All I did was place the bone fragments on the film, and I made different exposures at different distances. Did Mr. Ebersol or Dr. Ebersol say anything to you about metal fragments? He gave me three or four different metal fragments varying in size, and he asked me to take them to the bones. Did you tape metal fragments to the bones? Yes, sir. What was the purpose that you understood taping metal fragments to the bones to be? That was a good question because I didn't understand it at the time either. Is there any question in your mind whether you, in fact, taped metal fragments to the bones? Absolutely no question at all in my mind. Do you see the results of those metal fragments appearing on x-ray number four? Only a few here. And you're pointing to the largest fragment. Largest fragment. The superior portion of it. Approximately what time did you take the x-rays on the 23rd? I have to estimate. Early morning, early afternoon. No, late morning, early afternoon. Did Dr. Ebersol ever subsequently explain to you the purpose for taping metal fragments to the bone? No, he didn't. He just stated to me when he brought the film, uh, the bone fragments and the metal fragments to me that he had just come back from the White House after being debriefed. And what did he say about that debriefing? Well, he just said that uh, he was debriefed by the Secret Service, and that was it. High-ranking people had talked to him, and he suggested to me that everything that I see from now on, I should forget. Did he say that to you at approximately the same time that you were working on x-raying the, 
the skull fragments? Absolutely. You know where the skull fragments came from? They arrived supposedly that evening from Dallas. When did you first hear the fragments that arrived from Dallas? The night of the autopsy. Did you see the fragments on the no, night? No, I did not see the fragments. I just heard the conversation. Other than the metal fragments that you taped to the skull fragments, did you identify any other metal fragments in the bones? In the skull, the AP cervical spine. Let me withdraw the question. The question wasn't clear. With regard to taking the x-rays of the, the bone fragments that you have in front of you, no. were there any metal fragments that were in the bone with, outside of the, the taped fragments? No. So in other words, the x-ray is, appears as if there are metal fragments in the bone, whereas in fact that is all a construct of the way that the x-ray was taken. Is that Absolutely right? correct. Could you look at... I'd like you to take just a quick look at x-ray number five and number six, which are similar x-rays in terms of showing the bone fragments. Let, let me try asking you one question just to make sure that the record is clear on this. Did Dr. Ebersol ask you to tape the metal fragment the bone after he had returned from the White House? Were you able to say with certainty? Absolutely. As soon as he walked in, that's the first thing he said. I want these bone fragments x-rayed with uh, metal fragments thing. Okay, this, this is a different bone fragment. Same one, same one. Just added one to it, that's all. I think maybe if you looked at the other one again for just a moment, you might see. We could look at number four again. You're identifying three bone fragments in x-ray number five, is that correct? Correct. This is number four again. Oh, I see. All I did was just move them around. When you say he, who is the he you are referring to? No, I said me. Oh, all I did was move them around. That's all. Different exposures. See the difference? Yeah. Darker, lighter, darker, lighter. And so you would say that x-ray number five was taken roughly at the same time as x-ray number Absolutely. four. Absolutely. Can you look at number six, please? Ask a similar question. Hmm. Okay, that's better. Are you the person who took the x-ray of number six? Yes, sir. Is there any marking on the film other than the fragments themselves that helps you identify that as being an x-ray that you yourself took? No, sir. Is there a reason that you did not use your metal marker? Dr. 
Let me finish the question and then answer it. Was there any reason that you did not use the metal marker that you had used in the previous x-rays? Yes, because you saw it that night and you knew it belonged to me. And he stated, I better not see it on these films. That was Dr. Ebersol who said Absolutely it? correct. Did anyone else hear Dr. Ebersol say that? No. Said only in my presence. On the 23rd, when you took the x-rays of the skull fragments, was there any other person besides you and Dr. Ebersol present? No. You were about to say something else? You sure on the day? 23rd or 22nd? If I said 22nd, you said, No, you said 23rd. Yes, I'm referring to the time that you took the x-rays of these Oh, parts. okay. Fine. Is that... That's correct. Okay. All right, could we look now at x-ray number 7, please? Mr. Custer, are you able to identify X-ray number seven? Yes, sir. Could you tell me what that is, please? That was a upper portion of the abdomen. How were you able to identify that? My U.S. naval marker. That's the the markings on the side, on the left side, the date and the right. name of the right. Naval Academy. Or, I'm sorry, but Naval, Naval Hospital. Just Naval Hospital. The testimony. Previously, you referred to your own unique marker. Do you see that anywhere on the x-ray? No. I was caught again. Did Dr. Ebersol ask you at any time on the night of the 22nd not to use that marker? Yes. When did he ask you not to use that? When I took this one. He saw it and made me take it off. Are you able to estimate or explain when you were able to use your own metal marking and when you were not able to use it? On the skulls only. Can you identify in the x-ray that you're looking at now, number seven, whether there are, whether the internal organs are still present in the body? There has to be colon because this is all fecal material. Strong colon. Other than the colon, are you able to identify any other internal organs that are still present? Mm, not really. There could be kidneys here, but it's obscured. It's obscuring. There's no way you can For a man, President Kennedy's age, you shouldn't have these calcifications on the lower roots. Now, previously in the deposition, you referred to uh, a contrast media dye. You recall that in the lumbar spinal region. You can just see portions of it here. Just a little bit of it here. And what vertebrae would, is that? What you're pointing okay, to? this is twelve one two L three between L two and three. Can be a little here too. Here's his problem right here. You have problems here. 
This would be one, two, three, four, five. So you're referring to L4 and L5. Right. You can see this is, problem. You can see all the degenerative disease, disease right through here. See how nice this, this spikes is? You're referring to L, between L2 and L3. L2 and L3. L4 and L5. Nothing. Nothing. L3 and L4. Could we now look at x-ray number 8, please? Let me go back one thing. Sure. There are kidneys here. There's one here. Here's one here. We go off the record for a moment. I hear your phone ringing. Mr. Custer, can we go back to x-ray number two? If you recall, previously we were talking about uh, two lines that are pointing towards the fulcrum. Yes. Could you identify where those lines lead to and what you, where you understand that Dr. Ebersol was trying, the point Dr. Ebersol was trying to identify? They lead to the occipital region. Is, is there a way that you can identify it more specifically than that? A little bit hard with this uh, film. Would it What's kind of hard to say because here's the mastoid region down near the external auditory meridians. Right. It would be, I'd have to say, just above and perpendicular to that region. But it, it, it looks as if the fulcrum is coming close to where the outer uh, skull is. Correct. So it's... Like we had said before, this is the occipital. Are you able to identify the external occipital protuberance on this x-ray number two? Oh, it has to be done through here. This is far above the, the EOP, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. We could go now to x-ray number eight. Is that right? Mm -hmm. X-ray number eight is described as the AP view of the right shoulder and right chest. Mr. Custer, are you able to identify X-ray number eight as having been taken on the night of the autopsy? Yes, sir, I can. Once again, how is it that you're able to identify that? By the marking. U.S. Naval Hospital, National Naval Medical Center. Date. And the right marker. Can you identify whether there are any lung shadows in this x-ray? There are no lung shadows in that x-ray. Does that tell you anything about whether the internal organs had been removed at the time that this x-ray was taken? Absolutely, sir. And that and it tells you what? It means that there, when you have lungs in a chest x-ray, you take an x-ray, you see pulmonary markings. You do not have a dark area like this. You come back to the same tissue radiation absorption effect. When radiation goes through tissue, it absorbs. It cuts back on the beam, therefore you don't get a full exposure on the film. Do you know why, or were you, let me withdraw that, were you told why this x-ray was to be taken? Same thing, bullet fragments. Looking for a bullet fragment? All right. 
Do you see any bullet fragments on the x-ray? No, sir. Can we turn now to x-ray number 10, please? Excuse me, x-ray number 9. Mr. Custer, are you able to identify x-ray number 9? Yes, I am. And how are you able to identify it? My marker again, and left marker. Previously, you referred to there being metal fragments in the cervical area. Are you able to identify any metal fragments in the Not cervical? in this film. Does this film include a view or an exposure that would have included such metal fragments? No, sir. Where, where would the metal fragments be located? Further up in here. Can you, and you're pointing to? Up into the, I'd say C3, C4 region. What, what is the highest, or the lowest C uh, vertebra that you were able to identify there? Seven, six, five, four, three, and in that area there. Are you able to determine, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's all right, come. Are you able to determine whether any of the internal organs have been removed prior to this? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the heart is still there. And the lungs are still there. In other words, it would be fair to say that X-ray number nine was taken before X-ray number eight. I had to have taken it before. I'd like to point, point out some some lights, some light. Uh, That's right. You've identified them as artifacts yeah. in the anatomical left shoulder blade, right below the scapula. How are you? Able to identify those as fragments or as uh, artifacts, please. Because of the symmetrical size and the area. They're in. They're all in close proximity. Now, let me show you something else about the processing film at that time. See the cast? Different markings. That's chemical. It didn't quite wash off. And that was from the old PECO units. Same here. That's old fixer that didn't come off. So that's all? Old fixer. So it appears to, to my eye as being a, a sort of a dingy brownish color. Correct. That's from the acid in the fixer. Thank you for listening to episode 75 of JFK, The Enduring Secret. 